Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Kelly Green Hour. I have the honor of another special guest this week. Um, and good morning to you, since we are actually talking. It is almost midnight where he is. So uh, I am speaking with Thomas Pedersen today. You can find him on Twitter at ThomasRP93. He covers the Eagles for the Philadelphia Sports Network from Denmark. And he's also a draft contributor for Gold Club, which I'm assuming is a uh, football, a Denmark uh, NFL football site. And also is the host of Breaking the Birds YouTube channel. So, Thomas, how are you doing today, tonight, this morning? How's it going, Connor? Right. Well, whatever we want to call it, right? <laughs> At different times, it's, not, it's difficult to keep up with. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, long day, finally weekend, ready to talk a little bit of football. And it's, it's great to finally be on your pod. We've been talking about this for a long time, see when it's the right time to hit it up. And finally got it going. I'm excited. Absolutely, I am. I am. I am so pumped to have you on. Uh, I love the Breaking the Birds channel, and I love the whole breakdowns that you did previous that led to the YouTube channel. So it's awesome to have you on. Um, I guess I kind of gave it the best introduction I could, but if there's anything you want to add for the listeners out there, I, I love the um, I love the attempt for the Danish uh, for the Danish word for the. You know, for the Danish draft side or NFL side, <laughs> you cover like Gulklut. It's not. It's the first time I've heard. I, I imagine it's called Gulklut. Um, it's yeah. It's just, it's basically it's a it's a Danish uh, Danish funded site. So I we try to keep up in Denmark. We sit uh, late at night and watch football. There's a, a surprising amount of dedicated uh, American football fans in in Denmark. So. That's really cool. Mostly do draft stuff for them, and because in season we got a lot of stuff going for uh, uh, Phil Sports Network. So, uh, yeah, no, you you hit it straight on, man. That's awesome. That is awesome. I actually noticed on um, Twitter today that the Philly Sports Network actually got Kevon Wallace on, and they're dropping a podcast interview on Kevon Wallace this weekend. Definitely. So that is really cool that they were able to get him on. Um, yeah, we, the guys over there do a do a do great work with that. Yeah, they do a really good job. So shout out to the Philadelphia Sports Network, big time. And speaking of Kevon Wallace, let's start with our final thoughts on the draft. I know that a lot of podcasts and a lot of people have beaten the draft to death. So we'll just kind of talk a couple quick things. I want to know your favorite move and your least favorite move from the draft. Right. Um, start with my least favorite. It's uh, sort of, uh, I guess it's sort of a of a boring choice uh i hate sean bradley uh from temple which is i guess it's kind of the unpopular choice because he's you know, he's a local guy and a lot of people really like him um i i absolutely saw nothing uh from sean bradley that i liked i guess his speed is something like they they drafted all speed is look basically what they looked at <laughs> seems like when they drafted mm -hmm. just look at athletic profiles and sean bradley stood out was available in the sixth round you know if he becomes something that's great if not, and he's he can be a, uh, a special teams contributor, that is fine. Uh, I just think like the entire value of the pick and the fact that they chose him before they chose uh, Tega Wanogo, who was actually pretty high on, uh, had a high grade on, um, on 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 Wanogo. Of course, I did not know about the uh, the knee injury. I do not think it's going to be that severe. Uh, but obviously, since a lot of people, a lot of teams rather uh, passed on him a lot. Of course, that's a red flag. Uh, favorite mm -hmm. draft pick, uh, hmm. 
All right, so Rager, I did not see coming. Uh, obviously, I was on the Justin Jefferson train. I, I, I definitely see why they chose him. The explosive play element of his game is, is very intriguing. It's definitely what they want. He's a plug-in day one starter. He's going to contribute in a lot of ways. So I, I really like that move. Um, Kayvon Wallace would be like I think everyone would answer like Kayvon Wallace at this one at this point would be the would be the favorite draft thing. I also think like in terms of draft value at the position they got him at is the biggest steal uh, in there like on my draft board in terms of where they took him. I had a high uh, high to mid round two grade on on uh, Kayvon, but I can see why he fell a little bit because of his inability to, to play rangey free safety. Like he's basically the, the the type of slot box kind of safety you'd want, which fit the Eagles perfectly letting go of Malcolm Jenkins. Um, I think mm-hmm. Jack, uh, Jack Driscoll would probably be my, if I had to go with a, a selection that not a lot would go with, I think, I think Jack is, is underrated in the sense that I think he will be a really valuable piece to the offense in terms of he can both play guard and tackle. And they are going to need that, considering they let Big V go and uh, Andre Dillard. We we saw was not a good project at right tackle. We'll see if Jason Peters comes back or not, or if he's going to start at left tackle. All that situation is going to get played out. But Jack is a guy that I could definitely see being both a swing guard and swing tackle. That is extremely good value to get in the fourth round. And they have a tendency of hitting on these. Uh, of, he, of these mid-round guys, like you saw Ace, mm-hmm. uh, Isaac Salmalu, you saw it with Big V, guys who are not, they weren't high on draft boards, but they were selected mid-rounds and they contribute. Like, you have to get a credit for that, for getting these guys in and plugging them into an offensive line and then contributing. So, uh, Driscoll would probably be the underrated um, favorite uh, for me, um, th- like in terms of value and also trying to keep it a little bit original in terms of picking a guy like we all love wallace but i think driscoll is getting overlooked a little bit <clears throat> yeah absolutely i mean kevon wallace is is gonna go down as a massive massive fan favorite you can already tell just the way that he's interacting with eagles twitter that stuff that he's saying and and just just the way he's embraced the city of Philadelphia, you know he's going to become a complete fan favorite that fans are just going to love and adore, whether he's great or whether he's, you know, just a subpar pick. But like you said, there's a lot of potential there um, in Kevon Wallace, and that's the very easy favorite move pick to make. Um, I definitely agree with you on the whole, the idea that, that you know, oftentimes we, we give Howie such a hard time because of, he doesn't hit on the top guys. He doesn't hit on those early round picks, which are the ones you really you really got to hit on or he really should start hitting on. But he seems to have a lot of trouble hitting on those picks. But yeah, like you said, those mid-round picks, those, those early day three picks, sometimes later day three picks, he does an incredible job of, of finding those steals. And year over year, you see him on li- the lists of steals in the drafts. Like Prince Taga, like you said, he's kind of gone down as as a steal. Kevon Wallace, he's gone down as a steal. Um, mm-hmm. Jack Driscoll, he's received a bit of praise for that move too. Me personally, I liked the move, but I did not like the trade afterwards that allowed Dallas to get their potential future center in Tyler Biadash because I kind of wanted us to go after them, after him. At that pick, I was looking at Tyler Biadash because I was, you know, preparing for, for life after Kelsey and with that mentality in mind that, you know, he's not going to play forever. And that that's the same thing with Jason Peters and stuff. 
And I really find it interesting that you brought up Jason Peters in that talk. That, that discussion too you seem a little bit lower on Dillard than I expected you to be because I am still high on Dillard I think we have to give him a chance we have to let him work on the last episode of the Kelly Green Hour me and my co or me and me and my co-host went back and forth uh for a good little while there on Jason Peters and and Andre Dillard and do you bring Peters back and I was all for Andre Dillard. I was like, you got to make, you got to let the guy make the mistakes. You have to let the guy learn because you're wasting the early years. You want him to get those early year mistakes out of the way so that he can be good on the final, the third year, the fourth year, the fifth year option when it's there. You want to be able to really make, get your money's worth out of the early part of that contract. Whereas Jason exactly. Peters. Jason Peters, I'm a little, I'm, I'm torn on. I mean, he had a decent year, but he had some real rough patches. He took some, some tough penalties, some tough false starts. There was a lot of times where you just kind of were left shaking your head with Jason Peters last year. And then there were times where you're like, but he's the bodyguard. You know, we love him, you know, kind of that, that Eagles fan mentality. And I'm just prepared to move on from Jason Peters because I'm not prepared to say that he's coming back on one year. I think he's he's there's a lot he wants to play into his 40s there's a lot of talk there's a lot of interest I think he he's knows that he can get more than one year and I just knowing that we're negative like I think it's negative 50 million dollars in the cap next year and the COVID-19 is kind of throwing a wrench in will the cap go up we can't really afford to go too deep on on Jason Peters as much as we love him so um, for me, I do like the Driscoll pick, but I don't like what we did afterwards when we made that trade with the Dallas Cowboys. We could have really, I draft night, my perspective on that was let another team make that deal. You can get, you make that pick, let another team make that deal. Because then Howie said, well, that person, that player that we were going to pick at 146 was available when they, with the pick that they got at what, 150-ish, 160-ish. But that's not the point. You don't trade within the division to let them get a need like they were able to get with Talabi Adash um, in replacing Travis Frederick. So for me, my least favorite move was probably that trade. My favorite move was actually, and you, you probably will disagree. I know you will disagree with me now on this was to not go for Justin Jefferson. I actually like the pick of Jalen Rager. I like what Jalen Rager p- brings to the team. Um, he brings a humongous yak potential, yards after the catch potential, that we don't have in almost anybody on the Eagles right now. Whereas Justin Jefferson, he's a big outside presence who I think would we'd probably be left arguing or with this debate of J-Jaw and Justin Jefferson, because they're kind of similar in the fact that they're big. They have good catch radiuses. They Justin Jefferson's obviously a little bit quicker, but J-Jaw, they both have the catch radius. They both have that outside presence, that real Y presence. So for me, I was happy that we passed on Justin Jefferson. That was my favorite move in the draft. Um, right personally and i mean that that can be a debatable one because everyone thought justin jefferson was an absolute guarantee to the eagles but i like that we get someone who can give us yards after the catch who can blow up and get a big play he can blow past the defender and stuff and jalen regger he can do a bit of of a couple things like he's kind of i compare him to nelson aguilar but better 
You know, I think that he's going to be he's going to become what we wanted Nelson Aguilar to become. He can play in the slot. He can play outside, you know. So I was big on that move on passing on Jefferson and taking Rager and taking a guy who's not. I mean, we already saw it last year, the issue that they had in getting JJ on the field with Alshon Jeffrey. And then you take it, put in a Justin Jefferson, and that just becomes a completely muddled mess, in my opinion. So though, that was my favorite move and least favorite move. I think uh, I think it, uh, you hit on it in terms of what we expected. Like we've all been sold on Justin Jefferson, and they did a good job of setting up that kind of sh- smoke screen of being high on Justin Jefferson. If he was there, they're going to take him. And personally, for me, what the thing I had uh, about Gregor is that he's not really good at beating press, and he had drop issues. Those, those are some of the two red flag of uh, red flags that I had on him. Now, afterwards, after draft, after the pick, I can I, I really see why they did it. Obviously, one of the slowest offenses in the league. And if you're in doubt, you just go back and watch the Patriots game and you watch the uh, you watch the Seattle game in the regular season of 2019. And then you immediately see why they needed a guy like Rager. They can move him around. Uh, been playing both in the slot, been playing outside, off, on. And they like you can use him in so many different packages that he he becomes a much more valuable weapon that, than Justin Jefferson might have been able to give you. And in terms of what, the, it's basically, it's what they need. They needed a speed guy. They want somebody who can come in and contribute in case that Marquise Goodwin, who they didn't even have at the time, they drafted Rager, so that wasn't a sure thing. And Deshaun, and Deshaun Jackson, if if he if he can't stay healthy, they want somebody to still be there. And I think Rager is a good pick. I didn't like it like immediately, but I think it was the kind of the more the expectation of Justin Jefferson was there, and you just you didn't trade up for C.D. Lamb, and you end up with this guy. But but ultimately, I've I, I've I've grown on the Jalen Rager pick. I think it's a it's a good selection. I can see why they did it, and ultimately that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the Jalen Rager pick is definitely one that that you know people were like. There were people who completely loved it, and then there were people like you who didn't know what to think of it, and then there was people who completely hated it and still hate it to this very moment. So it'll be interesting to see what Jalen Rager does and what Jalen Rager can become. Um, But another pick that really, really completely shook the Eagles fan I have no idea what you're going to say now. I have no idea what this pick is. Jalen Hurts' acquisition. What was your instant reaction to it? And... What do you think of it now? Do you see the fit? Do you see it as making sense? Right. Um, so actually, immediately after they made the, the selection, I tweeted out a video that we were doing a Philly Sports Network live draft event thing. And it kind of stopped when the Eagles selected uh, Jalen Hurts. And <laughs> I took a step back because I was told to kind of explain it. And I was like, I have no idea what to do with this. But then I looked back at it and I... You, you, you you have situations both from from when the Eagles selected um, Nick Foles with an early third round pick, despite having Michael Vick. Michael Vick was playing in a style of football that invited injuries a lot more than you'd like. And even though they had Vick, they still went out and got Foles. And the, the year after Vick was injured, Foles took over, and he had that magical 2013, I believe, season with 27 touchdowns, mm-hmm. two interceptions, and went to the to the playoffs. Right, and then he had the experience with um obviously in 2017 again falls won the super bowl with him 2018 same experience you win a playoff game not because your your backup quarterback is is exactly 
explosive or anything. Let's be real in that Bears game. It's not because Nick Foles went out there and lit up the Chicago Bears. He, he just he played well enough for them to win on a on a butched field goal. Um, and then like they played a, a solid game mostly in, in in New Orleans. Point being that when you have a solid backup quarterback. And you have a, a, a primary quarterback who plays his best. Like Carson Wentz plays his best when he's outside the pocket, but this just invites pressure more. We mm-hmm. we want Carson to play the, the way that he feels most comfortable, the way that he, he can be at his best. Because when he's doing that, he's MVP um, caliber quarterback, and that's just that's just how you want to roll with it. So you you have to imagine that after this season, which is the third season in a row, they made the playoffs without Carson Wentz. They're, they're, they're looking back on the season saying, all right, what do we need for, to give this organization the best chance of winning moving forward? And what happens if we don't have Carson Wentz uh, in four years? What if he keeps getting injured again and again and again? Like as an organization, the good organizations are playing chess and looking, what is the next move? What is the move after that? How do I beat the other team? How do I put my, position, my team in a position to win regardless of what happens? And this team has faced more adversity and more injuries than any other team that I can think of in the last four years. So they know exactly how to plan for basically everything throughout the season. So mm-hmm. the Jalen Hurts selection, Obviously, last year they were sick and tired of, of drafting guys in the f- in fifth and, f- and sixth round, guys that you take a swing on. Usually, it don't turn out to, uh, like to be anything. Um, like Clayton Thorson was just a guy who's like, all right, he's got maybe he's got some potential, maybe not. I mean, obviously, it's just a waste of a pick to to really select him. And then you combine it with with the whole coronavirus situation. Is the cap going up? Is the cap going down? What we don't know anything about. Like you hit mm-hmm. it on yourself. We like, that thing has no clarity whatsoever. Um, you 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 would think that that the organization had some idea uh, ideas looking at how Drew Brees has been sort of like spared a little bit and also used a, a quarterback Taysom Hill sometimes a quarterback sometimes a wide receiver sometimes a running back like you can get a little mm-hmm. bit more funky in the red zone and if there's something the Eagles are good at it's scoring in the red zone they've always been one of the top teams every year no matter if they're playing practice squad receivers or what when they get to the red zone they start scoring points and mm-hmm. and so so Jalen Hurts provides a lot of, of flexibility he provides opportunity in terms of like creativity for the offense he's cheap down the road i'm not like i'm not a quarterback expert whatsoever um i usually stay off that topic because there are there are people who are a lot better of, of evaluating quarterbacks but what i see like from just watching him not breaking down anything just watching i see an athlete um, and I see a guy who can who can beat the defense multiple ways. He's a really good passer. I, I have no idea where all those Tim Tebow slow release and those things. Like he doesn't have the fastest of releases, but like he, mm-hmm. he also had a lot of time to throw the ball. Why not use it? I mean, <laughs> uh, so that uh, I I didn't quite understand that bit, but I mean he he just I think there's a lot of things that that has, that Jalen Hurts has going for him, and you can understand why they want a guy. Who, who they like, and they've liked him for a long time. Press Taylor has been high on this guy for a lot of years. Um, and, and going back to two years ago, there's even a quote of Press Taylor saying that Jalen Hurts is going to be a really good NFL quarterback. So I guess maybe mm-hmm. we, should, we should have connected the dots back then, but I guess who, who knew? So it's more of the reaction that they could have gotten someone else and um, they could have gotten like Denson Mims and gotten defensive end and all that stuff and, and other needs on the team. But ultimately, I like what I like the them looking ahead 
and also um, and also providing some safety for the organization in terms like God forbid Carson Wentz something happens to him that he can't play, but if he can't, you 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 sort of you lock yourself up in the future a little bit with this pick. So I'm not that against it. It was a shocker to begin with, but yeah, yeah, like definitely. It. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. At the, at the start, I mean, I was kind of like, yeah, man, like a kind of kind of mind blown thing there. And then you kind of get over it and you see people tweeting and you see the reaction and you're like, OK, there, there's there, there's something there. Howie's not making this pick because for no reason or for no apparent reason. He's thinking, you know, we always talk. We always praise him while other teams are playing checkers. He's playing chess. So this is just another one of those situations. And I mean, the big thing for me is Nate Sudfeld. I mean, clearly there's some other teams interested. Clearly the man's going to eventually get paid. From the, the times that we put him on the field, I don't know what people see in him, but there's something there that there's other teams seeing, and that's why we're putting these like tags on him and these, these tenders on him. Somebody's going to pay him eventually, and I think the time of Nate Sudfeld is, is over in Philadelphia. We're prepared oh, to let him yeah. walk after this year. After the tender that we put on him, we're ready to let him go because we got Jalen Hurts now. And I think that this was a move made with the idea that, you know, there's some value with Nate Sudfeld. Whether that means Nate Sudfeld's getting moved midseason, whether that means Nate Sudfeld's getting being let go at the end of the season to test free agency, we don't know. We never know what happens. Really I think it really depends on how Jalen Hurts is coming along. Like, you can have a situation where it's it's sort of a guy like Carson Wentz is a fast learner, and you see, right, this guy can work as a backup quarterback. He's taking the offense in quickly, and then you then um, Sutfield becomes expendable. But if you have trouble mm-hmm. with Hurts, you always have the opportunity of letting Sutfield be your 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 quarterback too for the rest of the year, and you're you're like you're kind of like you're good. That, that that that's fine. That's what you want, and then you can have that Sutfield flex in Hurts a little bit. Um, so I think that provides him some flexibility, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's interesting to see now you have the option. You have a guy who we don't know for sure, but we can assume there's teams that want him because we tendered him last year or we uh, tagged him last year and we tendered him this year. So there must be somebody, there must be some teams out there kind of sniffing around who who see something in Sudfeld, just like what we, what Howie saw in Sudfeld to keep him around this long. So, I mean, the Jalen Hurts pick, it was tough at the time, and listen, there's a lot of people who are like, well, Cam Newton signed for a million dollars behind Drew Brees, or, but yeah, it was Drew Brees, but at the end of the day, he did that, and or not Cam Newton, my, sorry, sorry, Jameis Winston. Jameis right. Winston signed with be, to be behind there because he wants to be. He didn't sign for a million dollars. He wasn't right. going to sign anywhere else for a million dollars, and people, when Jameis Winston signed... The Eagles Eagles Twitter blew up. People were like, well, we could have got him for a million dollars. No, no. He wants to be there. He wants to be behind Drew Brees. He wants to be with Sean Payton. He wants to essentially be Teddy Bridgewater. He wants to work his way up into that starter role or prove that he can be the starter and to learn from very, very valuable assets to learn from. And right. then he can go and be a starter. He can go and get that $30 million contract that he supposedly thought he was going to get. 
So, like, if you were get... Jameis Winston, do you want to go behind Carson Wentz, who's a 27 year old MVP caliber quarterback, or do you want to go behind a 41 year old Drew Brees who's looking at retirement? Definitely, you want to be like and Sean obvious, Payton. Right? And I mean, we love exactly. Doug P, but Sean Payton is is he's a stud. He he is a he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame coach for sure. Doug Peterson, maybe we we'll, we we'll open we open that discussion in a few years. But Sean Payton. Drew Brees, both going to the Hall of Fame. You want to learn behind that person. He wasn't taking a million dollars to come to Philadelphia. He wasn't taking a cheap contract to go back up Dak Prescott like Andy Dalton. That wasn't going to happen. So at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts for just over a million dollars for the next four years is not a bad option, especially like look what happened with Nick Foles. Look at what he got paid. Look at what he's getting paid even with his restructured contract in Chicago. The... Backup backup quarterback doesn't come cheap anymore, so it's really interesting and to watch what teams do with the backup quarterback position and how he definitely made a really interesting move with Jalen Hurts. But I'm not going to continue to to cry about it because I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to understand it. It makes sense, and this is not. I do not think this is any vindictive pick against Carson Wentz and his injuries, like maybe Jordan Love was for Matt LaFleur in in Green Bay. So there I don't think there's anything against how against Carson Wentz at all. I think this has everything to do with protecting being prepared for the future, preparing for injuries, being ready for anything and making sure you have the cheap alternatives. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, enough about the draft. Um, let's move on to some key position battles. So I picked out four positions that I want to talk about with you. And I'm sure there's a few more, but these are the ones that intrigue me the most. And the first one that I'm going to start with, and it seems to be the one that is every single year, the linebacker position. Um, favorite. The, the favorite. The, fa- the one that people rip Howie apart for. Like, I mean, I was one of those guys who was on Twitter constantly saying he's not taking a linebacker in round one and round two. Come on, get your head out of your your butt. You know, it's not happening. Um, so we do have some pieces. You got you got T.J. Edwards. You got Alex Singleton. I like Singleton. You love Edwards. There's the Davian Taylor. There's the Brown acquisition. There's yeah, Nate Gary. If we will really want to say he's there. So so let's start Jim with Jim Schwartz loves him, so I guess we have to take him into account. Yeah, I don't know what it is God about him, why. but uh, yeah, exactly. I'm glad we're on the same page because if if my co-host was here right now, he would be ripping Nate Gary because he despises him. Um, but let's start with T.J. Edwards, Alex Singleton, and, and uh, Davian Taylor. Those seem to be guys who really could carve out roles, who could really have opportunities. Do you potentially see these three as your starting three linebackers come day one? Um, so TJ Edwards is a locked in starter. That's just like he's going to be the starting Mike linebacker uh, for 2020. Mm-hmm. They there, there's no other real, real good candidates for the Mike spot. He played terrifically when he was on the field in 2020. Um, they learned that throughout the season, and there's multiple quotes, um, both from from Howie Roseman and um. And from uh, Swartz himself, like saying that T.J. Edwards was a phenomenal player who learned a lot throughout the year, and he's ready to take the step forward. And he, they, they didn't, they didn't grab anyone free agency or draft that is remotely close to replacing what T.J. Edwards can do for you at the Mike position. 
Uh, the linebacker position for the Eagles in general is a lot interesting because they used to like they like to go in nickel primarily, and then they switched up base and dime sort of equally. And for those who don't know, dime is where you put in two, um, basically usually two guys out the box who can either be like linebackers or safety cornerback types. And then you have like your Mike linebacker, or you go in nickel where you flex one of the linebackers outside the box when you put him in, that's a safety or cornerback. And usually uh, they'll leave you a little bit thinner in the box, but you have more versatility in terms of playing um, coverage. So they had Malcolm Jenkins filling in that box slash um, slot role. So it's kind of hard to predict which way they're going to go. If they're going to go more heavy towards dime and only have one linebacker on the field, or if we're looking at a two linebacker base set nickel, like we were in 2019, um, I really doubt they're going towards a more uh, four, three base where you have three linebackers on the field. That wouldn't make sense considering the resources they spend on linebacker. So Nathan Gary is, is it's kind of coming to a point now where you had him convert from safety. It hasn't really been working out. He's a liability in the run game and he's not making up for it in what he's doing uh, in the passing game. It's not like he's this phenomenal pass uh, coverage player. You just drop him in, like you can flex him out and, and he's better than having a safety there. No, that doesn't work that way. And he's slowing reading pullers and he's bad getting off blocks mm-hmm. and miss a lot of tackles. It's just not, it's not a good project. And, and hopefully it's going to come to an end soon. And he's going to play a ton better. He played injured in 2019. So I take that into account, but still not good. Jatavis mm-hmm. Brown um, brings some veteran presence in, ter- in case a guy like Damian Taylor doesn't step up and fit that role immediately. They drafted Davion in the third round, knowing he was a he's a, he's a really really good athlete, and he's like, he's physical and he hustles, and he is mm-hmm. um, prototypical outside linebacker in a four three defense. We want him to play a little bit outside the tackle box, because he wasn't playing a lot of gap responsibilities at Colorado, and that is what he's going to be asked to do if he's playing the will position here in Philadelphia. So it kind of like goes to see how how well does he transition into that role here. And if that works out, great. You you got your third round fast linebacker who who you can put in man coverage against tight ends and, and backs out the backfield who you're going to see a lot of uh, in the NFC East. And you also have a guy who's really physical against blockers. Still needs to get some technique on how to actually shed them without just going like head first into them. But you know that's something that comes with coaching. And, and TJ Edwards is a great guy to have next to you there. Um, if Taylor can understand how to read pullers, which you see a lot of with the Giants and the Cowboys, um, then that's going to be a big step forward for him. Singleton, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who hasn't really played that much on the field for Eagles. He played a lot in the preseason and then special teams when he was called up during the season. Um, I'd like to see Singleton actually play in 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 a regular season game before making I, I like singleton i think he's physical but there's just something about his processing that isn't exactly a class and of course that would you expect when you get a guy as a udf um as um a practice squad guy getting promoted right you don't expect mm-hmm. anything right off the bat but i think he showed some good things um last season and it's a reason he still sticks on the on the on the on the um uh, on the active roster, and of course, it's because it's, it's his special team contributions. But the the ideal situation is that you have Davion Taylor, T.J. Edwards, and I guess Nate Gary. We'll see 
uh, rotate in at the linebacker position. And if, if Davion isn't ready, then you, you'll have Jatavis. But it's going to be mm-hmm. a great preseason to watch because no one really is really locked in rather than I would say T.J. Edwards. And I think you could argue Nathan Gary. I just don't see that. Um, I think if they can have their third-round pick and Davion Taylor come in there uh, instead of him, then they'd like that. If J- if Jatavis Brown plays better than Nathan Gary, they don't have enough, and they don't have anything invested in Nathan to keep him on the field instead of Jatavis. So it's really up for anyone's grabs, and really it could come down to if they don't like any of these guys. Will Parks is a hell of a box defender despite his size. Jalen Mills obviously mm-hmm. has been converted to safety. Kevon Wallace is a really great tackler, physical against blockers. Like these guys, don't underestimate them. They they can challenge these linebackers as well if they don't play up the if they don't play up the par, and they can just say you know screw it. We got these great safeties who are really physical. They're still raw, but we want them on the field more than we want the linebackers. So we're going dime, putting T.J. Edwards as the guy at Mike, and then we're playing around with the safeties. So there's a lot of flexibility, and I think that's what Jim Schwartz wants. He wants guys who can move around who can be pieces who are versatile in the defense and then see, you know, who steps up to what role. And here it allows him to do a lot of certain, like a lot of different things with having physical guys who are also fast enough to play man coverage in the cover one scheme that he really likes. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I think that's the big thing that people don't realize about the Jim Schwartz scheme is that the linebacker, it's not that it doesn't matter, but the linebacker, is such a flexible position. Like you saw Malcolm Jenkins used as much a linebacker as he was a safety almost last season, the way he dropped yeah. in and playing nickel and, and doing that type of stuff. And then you, you hear that this, this Jalen Mills and like, like you said, those guys are really aggressive and a guy like Nate Gary, he misses tackles. He's not aggressive enough. And so if you have a guy coming in off the safety who can basically take anybody down who knows how to wrap the two legs and get that tackle, then what? Then why not use those pieces? Why not use a Will Parks? Why not use a Jalen Mills? Why not give Kevon Wallace the opportunity? That's the thing about linebackers in the Jim Schwartz and the Eagles scheme right now is if you can make your tackle and you can cover a decent amount, you can cover enough to, to give the defensive line time to create the pressure that they need to create, then it's kind of like a, a, a null position. It's not even necessarily a position on this defense. You just have to be athletic. You have to be able to cover. You have to be physical and know how to make your tackle. And that's why Nate Gary does not fit, I think. And you you hit on it there. Um I really think the end might be near for Nate Gary because he's just not good at doing almost anything that they ask of in the Jim Schwartz linebacker position. He, he, like you said, he has trouble reading plays. He has trouble processing plays. He can't, he he has an incredibly hard time making a tackle. Um, That's one thing that make that I like about Davian Taylor more than I like about Nate Gary. Nate Gary came in as a safety and they moved him to linebacker. Davian Taylor came in as a linebacker with safety size. So I like that they've actually take that that Davian Taylor comes in with some idea of what to do in the position. He he doesn't he's not going to be perfectly nuanced yet. Oh, he's raw. He's really raw, but he's an exciting athlete. Extremely exciting athlete to watch. And that's the big thing, I think. In this in this defense, you if you're an exciting athlete. 
Jim Schwartz is an incredible. I know he gets a he takes a lot of flack and he gets a lot of heat. He is an incredible defensive coordinator. He is an incredible defensive coach, and I think he's the type of guy who can take a Davian Taylor and turn him into a really good four three scheme fit linebacker. Um, but I mean, he does catch a lot of flack. You know, he catches a lot of flack. He doesn't put enough pressure. They they did the cornerbacks playing off, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you have to give it to to Schwartz. He he is a really good defensive coordinator, and he's really good at at taking like look at T.J. Edwards. Look at kind of what he's done with T.J. Edwards. I mean, obviously, it kind of takes, you know, you have to be, you have to have that mentality to to want to learn, to want to play, to want to get better at the position. Which Nate Geary clearly, maybe he does, and he just can't learn or whatever it is, but TJ Edwards, he had that drive, he had the right defensive coordinator, and now he's emerging as probably our best linebacker on the team. And I think about TJ too is he was a four year starter at Wisconsin. Like he did not Mm -hmm. miss a snap. So he like he had a lot of experience going into Philadelphia as an undrafted free agent. Uh, a lot more than you would think for a guy who 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 wasn't drafted, wasn't prioritized. And, and Nate Gary was a converted safety, so like the 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 starting point is very different for them. Where where Nate Gary had to learn everything about the linebacker position from the Eagles and from the NFL, whereas uh, TJ has has all of those things in his bag in his in his uh, baggage coming in, and he's been working on the techniques for a lot of snaps, and he's been really durable and really reliable as a run defender, especially and as a zone coverage defender in his entire time in Wisconsin. Now his thing is that he's been shedding some uh, some weight um, throughout the, uh, this off season, so. Uh, he's, he's he's looking to add a little bit of speed to it, and it'll be it'll be fun to see if he if he keeps the same physique and, and same physical dominance in the running game while also being able to play a little bit more man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the linebacker position is extremely intriguing year over year. It always is. I'm always excited to see what happens. T.J. Edwards kind of they signed him as a UDFA. He kind of came out of nowhere. He was someone who a lot of people praise as a great UDFA sign and one of the best ones last year. And then look what he became. So you never know what might come of like a Davian Taylor. You never know what the role that that Jatavis is going to play. Um, so it's going to be a real. And then the role that the safeties play and the nickel cornerback and that that whole that whole kind of interesting mentality that that the Eagles use there. Um, the linebacker position is always an interesting one, if it, if even though it is one that ex- stresses people out so much year over year. Somehow they they it it has become the Achilles heel, but the safeties help them and make it work. The cornerbacks they've been a tough tougher position, but they've been able to make help and make it work. And then the defensive ends and tackles have been massive in kind of masking the issues at linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see what happens at the linebacker position this off season, throughout the season, preseason. It's always a really interesting position in my eyes. And it's not one that I think is as bat major of a need as people think. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have Patrick Queen on this team. I loved Patrick Queen a ton. I thought I would have loved to have taken him, but I'm a realist, and I knew that in the first round, a linebacker just isn't happening. Um, and they they like their projects at linebacker. They really do. So I'm interested to see what happens at the linebacker position this, uh, this year as well. Um, second up, CB2. 
So usually cornerback becomes a position that we talk about year over year. Who's going to be one? Who's going to be two? Who's going to be nickel whatever? Well, we have our cornerback one. We acquired uh, Darius Slay for a third round pick and a fifth round pick. One another favorite move of the draft um, because you have to consider that we did use picks from this year's draft. So it kind of counts in a way. Um, but now we have the CB2 position. So we got Rasul Douglas, who's been the center of a lot of trade rumors, who just got a, complete, a restructured contract, which would likely, you can assume he's staying. There's Sidney Jones, who stepped up massively at the end of last season. There's Avante Maddox, who's proven a ton of potential. What's your thoughts at the cornerback two position? A lot of bodies. Um, and... Yeah, it's 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 that there's so many bodies that that I think you know going out and signing a veteran at this point would be kind of redundant in terms of you 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 have you need to see what you have with these these draft mm-hmm. picks. Avante Maddox, you want to see if your fourth round pick panned out. Sidney Jones, you want to see if the second round pick who's been injured a lot can actually play. Trevor Williams, who who came off um who came off the Chargers, who who also been injured a lot in his career, the entire 2018 and 2019 basically was was lost due to injuries. You, you want to wrestle Douglas, obviously. Douglas has, has had a lot more playing time than than the aforementioned. Um, but it just seems like Russell Douglas just keeps going one way and it's not good. Like he, he's he's one of the like the substitute cornerbacks who comes in and you you play he plays the way you expect a substitute to play. You don't expect him to be a cornerback two level of guy. Um, Nicole Roby Coleman and Creon um, LeBlanc are, I think will be reserved for the for the slot role. Those are the two guys that I think will be battling that out to to start. Um, Cravon has been has been starting when he's been healthy uh, and been doing a really really good job in the slot against mm-hmm. like in playoff games and going up against the guys like Michael Thomas and Ellen Robinson. He, he's been he's been doing a phenomenal job when he's been on the field, but injury as well is a thing with him. Um, they didn't pay enough to Roby Coleman to have him locked in as a starter there, so that's going to be an interesting battle as well. So the one carrying the most momentum going into the next season would would definitely be um would be Sidney Jones the way he played in the last um last four games of um of the 2019 season made a, uh, some good plays uh, against the Cowboys and against um um and against the the uh, the Giants to to clinch the playoff spot and mm-hmm. it's an important uh, important fourth down stop important. Uh, yeah, actually, fourth down, both uh, both game one and on a slant against the Giants, one of the deep uh, deep route um, against um, against the Cowboys at the end of the game there. So he, he's allowed a ton of of pass. Like, he's been really really bad in, in terms of pass rating allowed throughout the throughout the, la- the last like all, all his seasons he's played actually. But but he's mm-hmm. coming up with a great amount of, of momentum leading into the next season. So that's going to be uh, that's that's really exciting for him. Avante Maddox, um, smaller guy, so, but but he like he, he just he seems to play well when you give him one spot to work with, and he, he's a guy who's been thrown all over the secondary due to injuries. He's been playing slot, outside, safety. Um, so if they find one spot for him, if that is CB2 at, at, at the outside cornerback position, they want him to play. I think he can also step up and really contribute and. It's a good problem to have to have a lot of guys with with talent and still have Jalen Mills in the roster. God knows, I don't hope he comes in and plays um plays cornerback uh, again here. But 
Um, but but having Darius Slay on that cornerback one is going to ease so much up for these guys, and it's going to so, mm-hmm. uh, show a lot about like disguise some of the things that they were exposed to when going up against wide receiver ones in the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. The Darius Slay move is a massive move, and I mean like this on this show we have constantly talked about the quantity over the quality at the cornerback position which like you said it's not necessarily a bad thing because they each have their own special skill set they each have their own special thing that they can bring to the game but none of them have that complete game like Darius Slay so it, it becomes a lot more intriguing now because you have these guys covering the wide receiver twos and I mean we are in a division arguably that has some really good some decent wide receiver twos. I mean, you can look to the Giants where they'll have you will be on Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate. You look towards the Cowboys who you could be on Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, or CD Lamb on any given night. The Redskins, I think the Redskins are being underrated. They have some decent wide receivers too. You could be on Calvin Harmon. You could be on Terry McLaurin. You could be on Gandy Golden, Steven Sims. We're in a division where the CB2 position is probably equally as important as a CB1 position, arguably, Um, because you're going to be leaned on because when when Darius Slay is shutting down the top guy, they're going to look to that second guy. And these are guys who get burned a lot. Rasul Douglas, I admit he got burned a lot. I'm a bit I'm a Rasul Douglas truther. I love Rasul Douglas. I, I actually when I heard the trade rumors, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to buy a Douglas jersey jersey for another team here. Um, but I do really like Douglas. I think uh, my co-host often says he should move to safety. Arguably, that could be true. He's a great tackler. I mean, he doesn't necessarily always see plays really well. He gets burned a lot because he's not like a 4-4 type guy uh, for speed. He, he's he's a lot slower. And they put him at that CB1 position where obviously he's getting burned by Terry McLaurin and Darius Slayton because those are 4-4, sub-4-4 guys who have a ton of speed. But so Douglas can be aggressive as he wants within the first five, 10 yards. But then once they get by him, he's not one who's going to catch up. Um, Sidney Jones, like you said, yeah, that that's uh, that's an interesting one. I do like Sidney Jones. He was a first round talent who we got in the second round because of his Achilles injury. So it's super, super interesting to see what will come of Sidney Jones because he's in a similar situation as Derek Barnett. Do you keep him around? Is he worth keeping around? You know, if you let him go, he's going to go. He's going to get paid. He has the potential to play elsewhere and do well elsewhere. It's tough to say. Um, And then Avante Maddox, like you said, he's a small guy. I love Avante Maddox. If he probably had two or three more inches on him, he could likely be a really good option as a CB1. But sadly, he's He's a little little smaller on on the small end, um, but he's a sure thing tackler. He's an aggressive player. I really like Avante Maddox. I like what we have in those three guys, but they 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 all will put quite the battle up for the CB two position. I'm not necessarily sold on Williams coming in as a CB two. Nickel Roby Coleman, like you said, is going to battle with Cravon LeBlanc. They're going to take turns at the nickel corner position. Um, so I think it's really going to come down to Douglas Jones and Maddox and flexing in and out and whoever's having the better week. Um, but I know there are some people high on Williams as well who who think that he may come as a CB2. But I mean, I think you have to see what you have in Sidney Jones. I think Sidney Jones is penciled in as a CB2 because you have to see what you have in him. You invested that second round pick in him. Um, you got to hope 
that there's something there. You got to hope that that first round talent emerges at the CB2 position because then, you know, okay, we got our CB2. We just got to, you know, have someone across from him who's going to do a better job at handling those wide receiver ones. So it's a really interesting position. It's a really, there's some really interesting players, some interesting talent there. I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with it, but I really think Sidney Jones is going to be that CB2 I think he's shown the most potential. He he's showing he can play, come and step up at the big moments. He's shown I think he's the better guy at reading plays. Avante Maddox he's good at reading plays, but he not, doesn't necessarily have the the size to make the plays. Douglas, tough to say. I mean he could be reading the plays. He could be doing a good job at reading the plays. He's just not fast enough to make the plays that he wants to make. So I think Sidney Jones is the best of both worlds in between Douglas and Maddox to be that CB2. It's also the last chance for Sidney Jones. Second round mm-hmm. pick hasn't done anything. If he can't be the cornerback two in this defense now, we have the, 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 the cornerback one on the opposite side. He's done. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. This is this is just like Derek Barnett. They picked up that fifth-year option. This, this is it. I mean, I know Derek Barnett's receiving a lot of hate. I like Derek Barnett. I think he's doing better than people say. But there's some people waiting in the wings, i.e. one of your boys, Josh Sweat. I know you really like Josh Sweat. So there's Ooh, some yeah, people wait there's some people waiting in the wings who are prepared to take that job in a heartbeat and who definitely have the potential to. So same thing with Sidney Jones. We just talked about it. There's a lot of quantity over quality, but that quantity can definitely take that C B two job. Um we kind of touched on the safety position, so I'm not really going to dig into the safety position any more than we kind of talked about. We have some interesting options at the safety position, safety slash linebacker position, slash nickel position, whatever they may play um, with Mills and Parks and and uh, and Rodney McLeod coming back and stuff. That'll be an interesting position to watch. Um, but let's I want to talk wide receiver. There's a lot to unpack in the wide receiver room. I think we have like eight or nine wide receivers set to be on Super roster. And set to Exactly. I think this is the most exciting position to watch. And so we got like nine guys fighting for positions. And we're obviously not keeping nine wide receivers. So first of all, let's start with it. We kind of talk, touched on Rager a bit. We kind of touched on Goodwin. What are your opinions? Let's talk J. John Alshon Jeffrey. That's the big one, the Y receiver, the one who who's going to take that role. Is Jeffrey just here until he's healthy and then we move him? Is J. John going to step into that role? What are your thoughts on that specific side of the field? Um, JJ, JJ will be exciting to to see how big of a step he takes in this next year. Um, I did a deep dive on 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 JJ I think a wide size games mm-hmm. where he's played over 20 snaps and it was kind of interesting to see how how his routes vary like they varied a lot throughout the season you see some routes that were really really good like some uh, some high end type routes you see him play more with the routes and playing with the angles a little bit more before breaking in or out depending obviously on what the route he was running uh, more towards the end of the season in the in the beginning of the season it was just it was not great um and it was a it was a hard decision for him to get thrown into you'd see him line up all over the field and he was visibly uh, like shaking up about what he was supposed to do like he was questioning some plays even at, like he was standing there having his hands in the air going like hey guys what am i doing with this play um 
So so when you're a rookie and you're in already in week two pregame, not in the in the in the week leading up to it, before the Falcons game, he w- he played six snaps or so in the first week, and going into week two, you had Elshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Dallas Goddard all injured pregame, and boom, you're the starter. And then you have to you have to take in the playbook in that time without having wide receiver like without having first team reps. And you're going, um, you're going through all the the game week preparations at the start, and all the adjustments that you're making for the team that you're about to face that week. It's just such a mental load on a rookie who who mm-hmm. is who as when he came out of Stanford, he was a really raw route runner. The way he beat cornerbacks uh, in college was physically manhandling them at the catch point in the end zone on deep routes on contested passes. Now, arguably. He had one of those chances. No, two. Sorry, two of those chances in the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. The first one was against the Lions. We all remember that. That was bad. The second one was against the Seattle Seahawks in a blowout loss. Oh, a blowout loss. In, a, in, a, in an obvious loss where at the end of the game, Carson just threw a, a like, he just threw a whatever ball towards uh, J.J. who caught it at the sideline, took a massive hit from the safety, held on to the ball, and he went out of bounds. He scored in the next play. Um so, so that those are the kind of, of of passes that he was used to seeing at Stanford, and that did not get used a lot uh, here because Eagles like to 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 utilize the middle of the field, kind of, you know, getting everything up there in the middle because they didn't trust in anything that was going really outside too much throughout the season. So, mm-hmm. I think a wide side needs to take a big step. Aaron Moorhead has a massive job with him because he was raw when he came out, and they know that. They're going to hold out to him. Obviously, we'll see if, if he's actually going to start. Now, now he's in a situation where he doesn't have to. You have Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, Marquise Goodwin, who are all uh, two of them veterans. Jalen Rager drafted high, who is, who is obviously a guy who can put on the field a lot. Now, JJ will, will have to get on the field at some point during the season because like, to think that injury is not going to strike with this wide receiver group is just like, you know, it's utopia that someone is going to get injured at some point with the size that they're running around with. So JJ has to step up and I believe that he'll be able to do a fine job. Probably not Mm -hmm. the the job that people would be expecting of him um, considering where he was drafted, but hopefully they'll start using him a little bit more in the way that he was supposed to be used. Now, Alshon Jeffrey, I think more and more points to the, to, to him staying when he gets healthy. Like when he gets healthy, there is, I, there, I don't think there's a point in letting him go because you would still have you still lose money and you still have to pay him. I don't think they can get as much for him as they would uh, as they as you know as a compensation as to what they could use him for. He's still a, like he's still a receiver that presents an, um, some ability that they don't have with Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson and Marquise Goodwin. He's still a big body guy um, who more dominates the football at like he really dominates the catch point more than the, the other guys so he's still a guy who's good to have in this rotation of, of guy. He, he presents a different kind of skill set um then yeah so so that, I, that those are the locks those are definitely the locks alshon jeffrey's not going anywhere until he gets healthy and my everything looks right now as if he's staying uh even after and then you have Deshaun mm-hmm. Jackson, Jalen Rager, Marquise Goodwin, and Joe Take a white side. Those are the guys who are uh, great work, obviously. Those are the guys who's gonna like be here and contribute next season for sure. And then after that, it gets really, really interesting. 
Mm-hmm. And then, like, getting being a UDFA on this team with the wide receiver room that they have is a massive challenge. Like, trying to be, trying to be, um, Manessa Bailey, who was, who was signed here, trying to be, uh, Khalil Tate coming in here and trying to battle. Like, they're basically just battling for, for practice squad, uh, spots at this point. Basically, so the Greg Ward type, type role again, exactly. where you prove yourself, you get your opportunity, and boom, like Greg Ward last season. Eventually, you're going to get your chance on the roster, but you're essentially practice squad this year. Yeah. Then you have uh, Shelton Gibson still on the roster, Deontay Burnett uh, and Robert Davis, who were signed late. They're not guaranteed anything whatsoever. Um, so having like having a this massive battle for practice squad um, spots. It's really great too. Like these are fast guys. Quest Watkins as well. He's not mm-hmm. his his way to making the roster is steep. Uh, John this, Hightower too. John Hightower too. Now obviously I'm I'm biased because I like John Hightower a lot more than I like Quest Watkins. I think Quest is really skinny and I think he his route running does not match to his speed at all. So he looks slower on tape than he does when he runs track. Um, but he's he's like his speed is great and and you want to see if you can mold that into something if you can't too bad john is a little bit he's a better route runner overall he positions himself a lot better but again nothing nothing is guaranteed with him either he was not drafted at a spot where you go oh he's definitely a lock uh over quest if quest massively out uh, outperforms him in camp now i would expect john to make the roster just you know, given the way that he plays on tape in college mm-hmm. and what he presents. But if this is a, like, there is, there are battles all over this place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree. Like we had our stud receiver last year, Greg Ward. Like I don't, I'm not even actually convinced he's a lock. I mean, I think out of respect, he may become a lock, but I mean, I'm a big J-Jaw fan. J.J. I think of Whiteside. I, I really do think that there's an opportunity there. And it's just about the, the team having faith in him. Our wide receiving coach last year was extremely questionable. Some of the comments he made about the, the J.J. Ortega Whiteside fit and with Alshon Jeffrey and, oh, we could fit him anyways and then never using him. Like, I, I think that, that Ortega Whiteside is someone who's definitely going to step up this year. Is now based on the people that they picked up and a healthy Deshaun Jackson. Will he be able to take that, that you know, that big step forward that a lot of second-year wide receivers might take forward? Likely not. He kind of lost that opportunity when they went out and, and signed an entire track team or drafted an entire track team. Um, but there are some definitely some really intriguing options. And then, like, we definitely – I don't think we need to worry about the whole – he went to stone for 4,000 yards without a 500-yard receiver this year. I think we're going to see multiple 500-yard receivers this season. Um, you got Deshaun Jackson, if he can stay healthy, easy. Jay, Jalen Regra, I think easy 500 yards, if not more. I know he's being extremely – I do a lot of stuff with fantasy football. He's being hyped so much for fantasy football because of the opportunity that he has and because he's not just a, a deep guy. He's not just a slot guy. He's a yak – machine he he can do a lot for for Carson Wentz and and like Carson I don't think Carson it's tough to say that if Carson Wentz has had a wide receiver with the skill set of Jalen Rager or one that that can do what Jalen Rager can do he can play that slot he can burn cornerbacks he can 
create tons of yards. You can throw him a ball at five yards, and he can turn that into a 25, 30-yard play. Right, like, that's what they need. They need explosive plays. Mm-hmm, exactly. They were, the, and, la- they were the, the worst team in the league. Uh, no, the worst position in the league in terms of explosive plays. The wide receiver position for Philadelphia Eagles, 2019. Worst position. Leaps, leaps and bounds, easily. Like, you, they, they, you didn't have to watch much tape to realize that. Carson Wentz was essentially playing with nobody out there. He was playing with with Sanders and, and some tight ends and Greg Ward here and Deontay Burnett there. And it, it depended every night who wanted to step up for Carson Wentz. So a guy like Jalen Reger is huge. I think Marquise Goodwin can have like that like midlife, midlife, mid, mid-career emergence maybe here in Philadelphia. Is he going to be somebody that you're going to sit there and be like, oh yeah, a thousand yard guy? No, but he, he's definitely a guy who can come out there give you 25, 30, 40 receptions and get you 300 to 500 yards, maybe a touchdown or two. I definitely think Goodwin can fit that role. I think Reger can fit that role times two. I think that J-Jaw can start to emerge and step up. There, There's a lot to like about this wide receiving room. But listen, I'm not going to get excited. I'm not going to be that guy to hype this wide receiving room up like like the analysts were hyping it up last off season and then look what it turned into. It, it's There's, a lot better than 2019 and that's enough to have me excited. Cause it, honestly, if you, if you're, if you're a believer in Carson Wentz and you see the way that wide receiver room has changed, you should be like, you should allow yourself to be excited. Even not having seen what these guys can do. You saw what he did with mm-hmm. Deontay Burnett and Robert Davis against the giants. in That one game he had them basically called straight up from the practice squad. I don't think there's a lot of a big difference between um, between uh, uh, Jalen Rager and, and and Hollywood Brown not having been in this offense and 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 the rest of those guys, except that you know Goodwin and Rager are better. So mm. I think you you should be allowed to like Goodwin's quarterbacks in his career: EJ Manuel, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kyle Orton, uh, uh, CJ Beathard. Dude, <laughs> why do you think he's had bad seasons? <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, debate with Rob- Robbie Anderson, too. It's like he, the guy doesn't right. – nobody wants to pay the guy, but look at his quarterbacks. Maybe he is deserving of that type of money because look at who's been throwing him the football. Look at the yards he created for himself. Right, right, exactly. And that, yeah, yeah. It, I, I think you can be allowed to be excited and – if not for the season, at least for the preseason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last season we people they the analysts hyped us up as having the best wide receiving core, and with soon after week two, week three, everyone realized, oh, oh crap! Without Deshaun Jackson, they really don't. And then Nelson Aguilar, who literally completely robbed us of $9 million and then went and signed a veterans minimum with the Raiders, where he likely won't even make the roster after the draft that they had and the people that they picked up. Um, And then the Jeffrey injury, the Jesse injuries in in general, um, the wide receiver position is something that you can be excited about, that you can be intrigued about, that you can go to your friends, you can go to your Dallas Cowboy friends and say, (laughs) I'm excited about this. Because if Carson Wentz had Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb, I think you'd have three 1,000-yard receivers, in my personal opinion, on that situation. Are you going to have that with Dak Prescott? Eh, that's up for debate. But we're not going to open up the Wentz and Dak debate because that's a whole other ballgame. 
Um, but Wentz has some super intriguing options at the wide receiver position, and I think it's by far my favorite positional battle to watch, and I am going to watch it very closely because, I mean, you named it. I said we have nine, but we probably have closer to 12 or 13 wide receivers on the roster completely warring for positions. So I'm extremely excited to see that. Um, so let's wrap up this uh, this really this really awesome episode is really fun episode with some way too early 2020 21 Eagles awards and predictions. Oh uh, yeah, Look, let's do it. Yes. I love doing these. I love looking back at these and being like, what was I thinking? Or, Oh my God, where did that guy come from? First of all, let's start simple Eagles record and where they land in the NFC East. Uh, um, they're going to finish. I don't know. Is that, uh, <sighs> Do we take all the injuries into account? <laughs> like, have they had the same amount of injury? I think we have to assume health. We have to assume health, right? Um, so actually, I heard I heard a really um really fun exercise that John Barchard of WIP did. I like John a lot. He um he had an exercise saying you could you could not select nine and seven or ten and six. You had to go either eleven five, or eight and uh or eight wins or lower. And I think it was really fun hearing how how people tended to go for the for the under, like going eight or under. I do not see that at all. Like I'm, I have so much faith in Carson Wentz, and now that he's having like the the best tight end duo in the league, an offensive line. It got a year older, but please spare me. Lane Johnson is thirty. Brenton Brooks is thirty. Uh, Isaac Samalo, who is not that old, he's only gotten a year better, only a year older, and we'll see what happens to the left tackle position. Yeah, but like, I mean, one more minute, like, these guys were on, like, the SI body edition. Like, these guys are in good shape. These guys, exactly. you can be 30, yeah, exactly. you can be 31, yeah, you can be whatever age. They are, they yeah, are I'm not in good shape. I'm not concerned about that. So, Eagles can win any game they play, hands down. They can, they, can be in that as much. Like, they're, we're, I don't think we're going to have the 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 Dallas blowout game, Vikings blowout game. I think they're going to clutch it out a lot more, like they did in 2007, um, 2017, like where with the games are close, but they find a way to close them out. They have a good roster, and I think they're closer to eleven wins than they are to eight, if I should say it that way, it, without giving a specific um, a specific record. Obviously, I think they're going to finish first. I think their division got. Um, it, they, I don't think Dallas got a whole lot stronger. They had a good draft, but we should know by now that you can't judge draft picks until they actually step on the field. And mm-hmm. CD Lamb being a bust would not be the the, the craziest thing that we've seen. I think CD Lamb's going to be a really good player, but crazier things have happened coming out of the draft. And and you don't want to crown anybody based on a wide receiver they selected uh, with the 17th overall pick or wherever they chose him. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Cowboys couldn't get it done last year with a pretty much healthy roster against the practice squad Eagles and Carson Wentz. So I think it's going to be a lot, uh, a lot better going for the Eagles this year. So I think they're like, so record wise, I say they're more towards 11 wins than they are eight. And they're going to finish first in the NFC East. Yeah. So for me, the, the Giants got better. The Redskins got better. But these are teams who won, what, three and four games last year. So I see them as like five and 11, four and 12 now, like one one win more. And it's not necessarily going to happen within the division. Like you said, the Cowboys, they got way better on offense, but they did lose Travis Frederick. What do they have at the center position that could really make or break that offensive line? Um, 
And then, like, you can go out and put up 50 points a night if you're Dak Prescott. You can go and throw 400 yards a game. But that defense got weaker. You can't deny it. Cowboys oh, fans cannot sit there and say, no, 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 we didn't. You got weaker. Trayvon Diggs has so many question marks around him. It, it, it's it's ridiculous. He is not Byron Jones. He's not going to replace Byron Jones. It doesn't matter. So there are a lot of question marks out on the defensive side of the ball. So you put up 50, there's a good chance the team you're playing can put up 51. So it's it's important to remember that as, as a Cowboys fan, that you have an extremely high-octane D offense, but the defense is a massive question mark. I have the Eagles, and I'm on the lighter end of it. I have them going 9-7, and seven, winning the division, because I have the Cowboys 8-8. Eight and eight. I think I had uh, the Redskins 5-11, and 11, and I think I have the uh, the uh, Giants 4-12, and 12, I think was what I ended up having for my final standings. Still us winning, but, I mean, based on last year, we had a lot of close games not go our way. We can easily go that 9-7, and seven, like you said, can easily be 11-5. and five easily because like you said i think we can beat anyone we do have a tougher schedule this year than we did last year but i'm not going to say that we couldn't beat any team on this schedule i think we can beat any team on this schedule easy not easy but definitely can but it's all about having that final swing that final play that we had such a hard time getting last year those jj throws those nelson aguilar throws that, that we wish we could get back um so I was nine and seven and win the division, but like like you said, we could easily be eleven and five. So, um, who do you have as the Eagles MVP? This is a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, lo- loaded question. <laughs> it goes without uh, saying. So much to talk about with this. I know. It, I got eleven reasons. It's Carson Wentz. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's got to be Carson Wentz, no doubt. I mean, I love that off that defensive line. I love Fletcher Cox. I'd love to say that Fletcher will be the one. Because year over year, I love to say Fletcher would be the one who deserves the MVP. But that defensive line, they're all going to be MVPs for each other. That defensive line should be the defensive player of the year, just all of them together. Because I think they're going to be huge on that on the for for the Eagles this year. Um, but yeah, Carson Wentz, loaded question, easy answer. Offensive player of the year, let's say not Carson Wentz because Miles Sanders could sit. There you go. Easy enough. I, I, you know what? I actually agree with that. I do think Miles Sanders. Um, there's a He's lot so of people. dynamic. He does everything, man. Yeah, he, he does, does it all. There's, there's a lot of people who are like, oh my god, we're going after uh, Devontae Freeman or Carlos Hyde. Listen, it's clear. Miles Sanders is the number one RB in this locker room, and anybody who comes is only to fill the, the Howard role, but like half the Howard role. Because we saw what happened once Howard went down, Miles Sanders became the RB1. So this person is coming in, stepping in as a clear RB2, fighting with Boston Scott. RB2, RB3. It's a toss-up. Um, to Hyde, to McCoy, to to Freeman, whoever comes on the roster. This is Miles Sanders and Carson Wentz's offense. So And nobody's going to take that from them. Um, defensive player of the year. This one should be a bit more interesting. Defensive player of the year. I think Fletcher Cox would be. Let me just think. Yeah, Fletcher Cox. I think Darius Slay is gonna is gonna give up enough uh, touchdowns and plays, considering he's gonna go one on one against every wide receiver one, um, and that is always a rough look on your stat sheet. 
but in game and the impact you will make will be a lot bigger than what stats suggest unfortunately it is usually a stat award and having having um, the depth that they now have on uh, on the defensive line with Javon Hargrave occupying the middle like Cox had his best year in 2018 with Michael Bennett and I think Hargrave presents uh, presents the same accountability in terms of eating up blocks I think Fletcher is gonna feast so I, my money would be on uh, Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, posted on our Twitter a while back a, a stat that said Javon Hargrave last year was double teamed on 30, 29% of snaps, and uh, Fletcher Cox was double teamed on 32%. You can't double team two guys 50% of the time or more than 50% of the time. It's just not going to work out. It's not feasible on the offensive line. So one of them has to feast and one of them has to do something or emerge. And one of them is always going to have just a little bit of an edge that they might be able to emerge out of. Like you said, same with Darius. Like where you see the cornerback be the defensive player of the year for for in the league or for a team. Um, so I find that hard to believe. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. There's a re- there's a part of me who really badly wants to say Brandon Graham too because I think Brandon Graham will feast this year based on the same mentality that you used for Fletcher Cox. I think that the tackles are going to eat a lot of the attention and the ends will have the opportunity to feast this year. So maybe we kind of see that slightly differently. I see it as the ends will feast. You see it as one of the other tackles will feast. So I'm going to go Brandon Graham just to be different. I think Brandon Graham will end up defensive player of the year for the Eagles. Mm, um, okay. Different one here. Rookie of the year. This should be interesting. Lots of rookies. There could be. There's a few there that, that, that really could get this. Who's yours? I think Jalen Rager, obviously, because he's the one who's got to play um, a lot. Say, like, they're just going to find ways to give him the football. And uh, Jalen Hurts hopefully does not win it because that would mean he's on the field and you would want him to not be that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Something terrible would happen if he's on the field regularly. Um, So let's just just ignore that I said that and that's never going to happen. Um, Damian Taylor, we obviously don't know if he's either going to win uh, a starting spot, and if he does, uh, the transition he'll make, uh, considering how much of a raw aspect he is, we talked about. And then from there, there's just not really anyone that I see being better than Rager in the first year. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. I think it's going to be Jalen Rager, too. You didn't draft this guy in the first round to let the guy sit. Like, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, Damian Williams is still the start and running back in, in Kansas City. No, no, no. You didn't draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round to let him sit behind Damian Williams, who hasn't been able to take the job from anybody yet in his age 27 going on 28-year career. So same same thing goes here for me for Jalen Rager. I, I just, I don't. I, they're going to feed him the ball. They're going to try and get him the ball. Deshaun Jackson may open it up up top, so he may become a key cog in the slot. Who knows? But, I mean, there's lots, there's there's just so much on this offense to have your eyes on. And Jalen Rager's that guy. It's first year in the offense, so some of the defenses might underestimate him or underrate him in comparison to Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. So I think that you're going to see a lot out of Jalen Rager. Um Final one, this should be a quick one, although we do have a lot of injuries year over year. Comeback player of the year. Uh, 
Oh, right. Sorry, oh, muted. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> all good. All good. Right. So for for uh, coming up player of the year, obviously Deshaun Jackson's coming back. Uh, that's going to be huge. He, we saw what he could do with Carson Wentz in one uh, in one game. So excited to see like if he stays healthy for a long time. Of course, knocking on that to happen. It's not like he's missed a lot of time in his career. I think it gets overblown a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So he would definitely be the he will be my uh, comeback player of the year. Unless you want to say that Carson Wentz is coming back from a concussion and now has like now what do we do? We, what about Brandon Brooks? Do we put him in that? Like uh, I mean, it's so, so dominant the entire regular season that I don't think you'd say coming. <laughs> he, he came back from the Achilles and then he there's just, just flat there's out. just been so many injuries that right. like. Do you want to say, like, it's a comeback player of the year if they've missed two or three games? Or do you want to call it, like, you know, Deshaun Jackson who missed 15 or 14? Like, I mean, it's it's a toss-up. We could really... The Eagles are coming back. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, the whole team wins comeback player of the year. Like, geez, like... I mean, maybe we like we could even Jim Schwartz receives a lot of hate. He could be like comeback player of the year, but as a coach, because he receives a ton of hate, but he's got a hell of a defense to work with. So, um, well, this was awesome, Thomas. I had a great time. Uh, we went a little bit over, but hey, what what can I say? There's so much Absolutely. to talk about. Exactly. So I'm. I hope I can have you on again before the season, uh, as things get closer and some of those. Uh, position battles become more solidified and we can talk more in preparing for the season fingers crossed that the season starts on time because i mean i can live without hockey and basketball and stuff but football no i can't do it i can't do it that exactly so um anything you want to tell the listeners before like any any projects you have in the go this is yourself your chance to you know shamelessly plug uh I think you hit on everything in the beginning, so I'm not going to sit around and waste time talking about myself. Perfect. Well, you can find him at ThomasRP93, or you can find his YouTube channel, Breaking the Birds, putting out quality content all the time, and his Twitter feed is loaded every day. I don't know how you do it. You're, you're, you're a doctor, and you're posting on Twitter constantly. It's crazy. Um, I have my methods. <laughs> Well, maybe being up till like one o'clock is is that one of the. That would be one methods. of them. <laughs> you can find me. You can find me at Connor Ten T E N. You can follow the Kelly Green Hour at Kelly Green Hour on Twitter as well. Don't forget to rate and review and check out all of the podcasts that we have. We have some more coming out. I have another fantasy doctor coming on to talk some of the injuries with Philadelphia because God knows we have so many. And, of course, me and LJ will be back as well very soon. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in and stay safe.